For February 13th, 2023, it's the Overthinking It podcast, episode 763. The world ended, and I'm still here. Welcome to Overthinking It, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it doesn't deserve. When we overthink, we overthink together. I told you I'll be here together. Said I'll always be your friend. Took an oath. I'm going to stick it out to the end. Now it's uh, stupid more than ever. Know that we'll still have each other. You can stand under my overthinking it, inking it, inking it, king it, a, a, a. I'm Matt Rather. I'm here with my good friends, Pete Fenzel. Hello, Pete. Hello, Matt. <laughs> and hello, Mark. How are you? <laughs> I feel protected, covered by the United States nuclear umbrella, Ella. Ella. <laughs> um, that's good. Well, uh, those all those objects being shot down by uh, United States Navy fighters were not weather balloons or spy balloons. They were not unidentified flying objects. That was Rihanna. Practicing her halftime show, suspended ah. in the air. <laughs> uh, the, mystery, the mystery is solved. No need to start any conspiracy theories involving Area 51 uh, or anything like that. We'll get to that and more in our Super Bowl halftime show. That's right. It's the halftime show. Look, something happened between last week and uh, last year and this year. We got old. Uh, it became, it became <laughs> impossible to stay up late to, uh, do a podcast after the, uh, after the, the Super Bowl, uh, came down. So we watched the ads in the, the halftime show in the first half of the, of the, uh, the Super Bowl. And, um, you know, we're, we're going to just, uh, we're going to wing it in the, in the old tradition of overthinking it. Uh, podcast where we watch a movie that we haven't seen. We're going to uh, make pronouncements about American culture, about, uh, you know, the way we live now, about all the things based on incomplete evidence. And we'll, we'll still, still do better than, than, uh, any pop culture podcast you, you care to name. Uh, now we know that we have among our, our number here tonight is superstar. Uh, a, a man, you know, sometimes there's a man, I won't say a hero because what's a hero, but sometimes there's a man who is the summarizer of his time. And that man is, is Peter Fenzel, the great, the great narrativizer of all, uh, Super Bowl advertisements. Pete, what is the or what is the or text? What is the master narrative? What is the uh you know what Jacques Derrida called the origin and the end of the game this year uh in terms of the uh the discourse drink uh which I did copiously out of my uh, overthinking a charter member discourse drink pint glass uh this evening while I was watching the game. Uh what is the uh the nugget at the center of this discourse? This, you are building this up more and more because this is the most uncomfortable. Here he I get. comes. He's <laughs> he's entering the arena, ready to spit truth from Everything. on high, descending on a platform like a Super Bowl halftime uh. performer. Even his superficial associations are super official. Oh, I probably shouldn't actually make that joke. All right, Pete, take it away. Okay, so yes, it does always make me uncomfortable when you praise me so much, but I'll do my job and get get the job done. <laughs> the, um, so my sense from the Super Bowl ads and the energy of the Super Bowl ads this year, uh, I think the summary that came to mind, the nugget was 
the world ended and I'm still here. And isn't that kind of funny? Like, like that was the vibe <laughs> that I got. And I think it's something that, ex- that is happening on a lot of levels at the Super Bowl this year. I don't know if you guys saw the graphic that was going around of the relative popularity of American football as a sport in the United States. Uh, it is huge. It is undiminished. It is dominant. Nothing else is close. Nothing else is close on TV. More of TV is going towards watching football than ever. <laughs> We're getting top ratings for football. Uh, it is defying all trends, uh, despite uh, not just the trends regarded to, regarding media and and the movement of uh, audiences to fragmented and disparate interests, but also just the trend of horrible things being found out about something and then it diminishing in popularity by some mechanism, right? Whether it's temporarily or permanently, uh, football is still here folks. And, uh, and the ads aren't really there to lionize it, uh, because it doesn't need to be lionized because it's here. Uh, the vibe I felt was, you know, the Super Bowl. it turns out, uh, still exists. It still is the Super Bowl. It has not ceased to be the Super Bowl in the same way as say, the Oscars have ceased to be the Oscar. The Academy Awards have ceased to be the Academy Awards and have become this kind of uh, King Triton as a little green thing that kind of vaguely resembles the glory of what they used to be. The Super Bowl is still the Super Bowl, folks. And that's pretty funny because it's a, it's a pretty the game has a lot of design problems that cause a lot of injuries. Uh, but but and also, you know, a lot of things have, have happened that might cause people to not get together and watch this thing and eat nachos. But they're still doing it. And I think the ads spoke to this right there there's when steve martin is saying oh i'm an actor right in his commercial was a pepsi commercial uh when will ferrell is like hey i'm driving you know i'm driving a truck through the zombie apocalypse (laughs) and he's just sort of being will ferrell and, and like being smarmy and telling jokes or even when like mayonnaise exists it's like hey everybody there's a big jar of mayonnaise we got a couple of celebrities to talk about mayonnaise and pretend to be like things in your fridge there's just this sense of like Man, like I'm on this stage, I'm not dead, right? Like uh, I thought I would be. I thought my life would be over. I thought my world would be irrevocably shaken. And I think the Super Bowl, even at the when the times of the world being shaken, the Super Bowl has been a hyper reality of the shakenness. I think, uh, and then in our in our past recaps, like. The, the, the meta narratives about masculinity and aging and the passage of generations uh, and everything around the signification of money and power and the financial crisis. There's been all these moments, you know, where the Super Bowl has stepped in and has provided a map to the territory of cultural crisis. And uh, and the map here is it's just a big red circle that says you are here and around you is like cultural crisis. Right. Like it's everywhere. It's all over the place. Material. That's the thing. It's not just a cultural crisis. It's a material crisis. You know, even the United States, million people dead from covid uh, in the last, since the last two Super Bowls. Right. Like uh, um, <laughs> there's a lot of bad things that have been happening uh, on a very large scale to lots of people all over the world. And also, you know, a lot of the time, society itself seems like it's tearing itself apart. And there's balloons. It's crazy. Um, but Pete Davidson is going to make a, make a ham sandwich and eat it with mayonnaise. And they're going to talk about it on the commercial because John Ham's name still is Ham, right? And uh, and the more extreme examples of this, other than just Will Ferrell's, you know, j- being very casual and jokey about the zombies. And the phenomenon I'm really talking about here is 
laughter as a release of tension and uh, and, and also as a social behavior of a mutual recognition of some sort of lesser degree of harm or risk. So the idea that like you can be in a very dangerous situation and look around and just laugh. Like uh, I remember, I mean, to take a really weird detour, I remember a, a friend of mine who I will not name because he, he would not want me to name him, uh, showed me a bunch of uh, videos that he took in Afghanistan because uh, he was shipping back from Afghanistan uh, and was on his way on his way back home. Uh, I think he was on his way to see his family go on vacation before he headed back to Afghanistan. And uh, this was, of course, you know, during the really tough times, not that there were great times. But uh, but like there's videos of these like kids being shelled and uh, uh, lots of pictures of mutilated dead bodies and stuff like not like deliberately mutilated, just horrible people, people being killed and stuff. But like also just like people being shelled and just laughing because they were there and like the bombs were falling and they were just sort of standing there. and didn't really have anything to do uh, except like talk and joke. Um, and then this is not on that level, but it's not not on that level when you think about like you know, COVID and, and, the, and the amount of death uh, and catastrophe that it has involved. Um, and the fact that I think even for us, we've started kind of being able to sort of package up an, uh, the, you know, the championship season, what we've been referring to as the championship season as this time that while we're not like, quote unquote, out of the woods or done with it by any means, there seems to have been a time that we can now look back on as having passed and find ourselves still here to look back on it when so many aren't. And that's funny <laughs> because we make Super Bowl commercials still because our lives are our lives and are, have not become this kind of grand opera because of the stakes of the crises that have affected our immediate and wider scale world. And not just the human loss, but like the loss of all of our places. You know, so many of the places we used to go are gone. So many of the things we used to do are gone. You know, and so much so many of our, of our beloved changed. cryptocurrency exchanges are gone now. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, crypto was the whole like we're gonna, you're gonna be the smart one, right? Everyone else is losing, and you're gonna be the winner, right? Like, cause you're gonna have figured it out, right? And now it's like, no, no, you know what winning is? Enjoying your ham sandwich. You know, you know what winning is? You know, like uh, uh, the uh, the old man dancing at the fountain. Right. Like to the safety dance. Winning you know, apparently winning. That now is just like the old fashioned way, just straight up betting on sports. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Put, winning, well, putting yeah. your cash into a random number generator um, that is transparently a random number generator as opposed to a crypto exchange, which yeah. helps an investment. Yeah, I think I think that um, betting on sports is interesting. Do either of you guys play any sort of fantasy sports? I want to ask if you gamble on sports. No, but no, do you sir. Do any sort I, of fantasy? I, I, no, no to both. No, uh, fantasy sports has been one of my main social engagements over the last two years. I've played fantasy basketball with, among other people, over the finger Ryan Sheely. And we've talked about it on the podcast before. Um, and so I would I would hesitate to describe the discourse of sports gambling as fundamentally being about gambling in the sense that gambling is about making money off of taking risks. In my experience, especially the whole fantasy sports angle, which is so huge now, is really this yearning and reaching out for an intense association which this thing with this thing that you feel affected to. Like uh, so many of the guys I've talked to who've been hardcore fantasy sports guys, and I'm not hardcore. I don't play for money. You know, like I, you know, I I, I name my team Bing Bong, and I and I sign the Jets, the the, the Jets, the Knicks whenever they're available, right? Like, uh, you know, I'm an Bing Obi Bong, Toppin. Wait, kind is of it, isn't player. Bing Bong the the name of the imaginary friend from Inside Out? 
Yes, exactly. And it's also what the Knicks fans started saying when they finally figured out how to express their feelings, uh, which happened during (laughs) the first round of the playoffs two years ago. It hadn't happened for the previous 15 years. Uh, But but, um, uh, but yes, so the Knicks, the team that fans cheer for whenever they don't sign someone because they don't trust the team to sign anybody uh, that is not going to just cripple their team's ability to hire talent. Uh, but yes, the point being that like people I talk to who are really into fantasy sports will describe the intensity, how fantasy sports makes them care more about the game. Like there's this desire to care about the sport. And the sport has been this thing that's been in your life for your whole life. And you're really it really is a sort of seeking out of connection, I think, that drives a lot of it. Not all of it, of course. Gambling is a heck of a drug. And also, like, you know, gambling is a is a leisure activity that people all over the world do. And it would be foolish to think that people are are going to stop doing it or not do it. Um, But at the same time, like, I think that. Yeah, but that's it's it's like saying it's like saying, Pete, you're trying to administer a drug in order to achieve an effect. Right. Like the gambling, the 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 drug like gambling, the sort of. Um, high that you're that you're chasing is in service of sort of fixing your life, right? Which is how actual drug addiction works, you know, where they're yeah. like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. it's not, it's not, uh, it's not the drug for its own sake. It's because like, uh, you're fixing your feelings, you're fixing your, you know, you're, you're sort of doing something and then it sort of takes on a, an energy of its own, you know, uh, yeah. if it goes to, if it goes to that bad place, but that like, you know, it's, it's interesting. Like I need, I need 50 cc's of fan duel, you know, like, uh, <laughs> right. Like the, pretty much the, every, Everything in the Super Bowl advertised does that, though, right? Like Doritos does that, <laughs> where it's like it's not about eating the corn chip, Matt. <laughs> like it's not about it's not about the truck. It's about it's about you know the who you are as a man. Uh, I mean, I guess what the classic is like. It's not about the beer. It's about the volleyball that you're not playing. Right? <laughs> like <laughs> like Ant Man. Now we are at the point now where Ant Man is selling alcohol free Heineken at the Super Bowl. And the the word that best describes it is normalcy. (laughs) (laughs) We're back to. I feel like when I'm struggling with trying to find a like shared trauma, a a man in his fifties, a man in his fifties, yes, you know, Uh, yeah. Yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. Like Paul Walker is in the Fast and the Furious movie that's coming out, and it's not being remarked upon. I mean, I'm sure it's it's a flashback, right? It's. But uh, but no more. It's more just like I uh, just saying that, like, I think that the fantasy sports adds in the sense of the what is the sort of uh, what is the overlay? What is, what is the um, the vehicle that or that is being communicated? What what is the emotional angle on which the fantasy sports are seeking to reach people? It's the intense feeling of association with sport, um, which is something that is 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 filling a niche in people's lives that perhaps grows as other niches uh, become imperiled um, or, or wither or are uh, under assault. I mean, I, um, the thing, the thing Pete that, that take that I'm taking with most of, of what you're describing is the way in which the ads function as, as kind of a cultural unconscious as, as a, like a dream representational space because the overt, Right. The, the sort of manifest content of our lives, just to borrow some psychoanalytic j- jargon, has been like very resolutely in denial 
uh, about the kind of the ongoing uh, effects of the COVID pandemic on, you know, especially the kind of the most vulnerable, you know, the, and, yeah. and, um, we're, we're sort of done. Like we're back, baby. We've, we've been getting back to normal. And it's like, well, what, yeah, what, what you're calling normal is like, a, a, a bunch of people are dead. You know, we're, we're in like post, uh, we're, we're in post Avengers, uh, Infinity War MCU now, except no one's gonna, you know, no one's gonna Iron Man us back to the, to the way we were. Uh, we don't have Iron Man to snap and, and say, you know, I'm Iron Man. He, he's dead. What we have is Ant Man to sell us not. <laughs> We don't have an alcoholic hot again. We have Ant Man, <laughs> and the beer doesn't even have any booze in it. But the, um, but uh, the like, so so in this kind of like studious studious denial that's become sort of highly politicized and and uh, and um, you know like a, a a tenant of our our civic life um there there is a kind of return of the repressed and the the way it's happening is images of like threat from outside with uh you know from from outside suv ads have always been about threat and and safety it's just usually it's a a suburban mom you know being threatened by um uh, you know, tall trees, right? Like as, as they're, you know, as they're going down the road, the trees, you know, the camera work makes the, the trees seem to kind of lean in in a particularly menacing way. And, and those trees are the inner city. You know, those trees are r- racial minorities. Those trees are, uh, you know, everything that your, your, uh, uh, what is this arrow? Everything that your Bronco, you know, everything that your suburban, uh, is going to keep you, uh, keep you safe from. And now it's like, it's, it's a full on zombie apocalypse. Like not, not only, not only is the, the, uh, image of threat not, uh, quite as, um, al- allusive, you know, it's, it's literal and it's also become kind of, kind of ridiculous because it's so, because we've kind of, we've moved into the, into the dreamscape, you know? So like, yeah, there's, there's a, a global pandemic that still continues to, to kill people, but you know, it's a zombie apocalypse and the kind of the, the main selling point of the SUV that protects you from the zombie apocalypse is that like, it's electric and Hey, I, I love the framing of, you know, it's the least we can do. <laughs> It's it's the least. And like Will Ferrell, who is the perfect avatar of, you know, this sort of like bemused disengagement from uh, the, the, uh, the stuff that's, that's, that's happening. Like, uh, Will Ferrell, Will Ferrell's, Will Ferrell is notable in his comedy roles for super high commitment, super passionate engagement with utterly trivial things you know and that's uh that's i think an, a, a decent I avatar drive a dodge stress <laughs> ah there you go right <laughs> we've, got, we've come chip. we've come too too far also did you notice that it was really the era of the collab because it was like ant-man marvel disney and heineken you know it was uh it was these gm gm like electric trucks 
and or GMC electric trucks or what I was a bunch of I'm not even sure what conglomerate was being advertised there and Netflix. And like the idea was that like, hey, Netflix is going to show more electric cars in their uh, in their original series. Like, you know, that's great. There's a zombie apocalypse. But hey, you know, that's. <laughs> That's great. I mean, it's the least we can do. That that framing was was really uh, was really interesting yeah. to me. You know, uh, you're talking you, you're talking about collaboration reminds me a little bit of uh, of syndicates. You know, like the reason that you would collaborate an ad like this is to share the cost, right? Because you sure. know, Super Bowl ads are so expensive. So I want there's a there's a building there's a particular building uh, in London. That where this sort of thing happens all the time. It's an inside out building, believe it or not. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you're familiar with it. it as all of the infrastructure of the building is on the outside of the building, like the staircases and the elevators, such so that the interior space of the building is as unobstructed and as maximized as possible. And inside that building, you find the syndicates, right? The names. Uh, and these syndicates and names are there to share the risks of the biggest, strangest. Uh, most complicated financial risks in the world, uh, such as uh, Rihanna uh, dangling from a, a lucite <laughs> slab <laughs> hundreds of feet above the earth <laughs> by a series of tow cables that appear to be shaking in the wind. <laughs> even, even if her feet are bolted to the floor, I am sure that there are like five different insurance companies over at Lloyd's of London that each have a piece of what to do if Rihanna falls off of that thing. <laughs> well, let me back up for a second here. Like, as we start to pivot to talk about the halftime show, I got the, so, the segue was too good, Mark. You wanted me know, to explain Lloyd's of London, and so there you Love go. <laughs> I am so freaking out of touch um, with the modern music moment that, like, uh, I was kind of casting about. I was like, what do I have to say about Rihanna? What was my reaction to this? Like, uh, the whole thing felt kind of inert, except for the whole like putting her on a platform and suspending her hundreds of feet above the air. That was impressive. And hey, Pete. How on earth do they insure this? <laughs> liability. <laughs> Just, it screams liability. Also, <laughs> we found insurance in a hopeless place, Pete. How do we do that? <laughs> Look, man, you know, there's a premium for everything. <laughs> I'll say people will people will probably do it, but it won't be cheap. I'll say that much. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and also it's like, think about who has to, who is at risk there the person who decided this was a good idea right would would, would, would be personally sued by like a, a thousand ten thousand different people if if something bad happens it appears to have been a, a fine idea maybe not a great idea from an artistic perspective but like a fine idea like it was fine it certainly didn't seem it seemed more dangerous than Katy perry perhaps to me at least because i could see the platform wobbling while she was mm. shifting her weight up there but like it, it probably wasn't. It like, felt more dangerous than uh, Lady Gaga rappelling from the roof yes, of yes, the stadium yes. a few years ago. Yeah. Because you could see the wire again. Yeah. Right? And it might be because Rihanna's performance was so unfantastical. It was so – I don't want – I guess I want to call it mundane, but I don't want to call it mundane in the sense of being like, like dull – but I want to call it mundane in the sense of like that's what you call a regular longsword in Dungeons and Dragons that you use to kill a dragon. <laughs> you can't kill a dragon with a mundane longsword. But the idea that like Rihanna went out there and she did a show where she dances and and, and lip syncs to some songs and like not much happens. Uh, and uh, and so when they lifted her up into the air, it seemed like she was really at risk. Whereas when Lady Gaga shows up, you know, she's like 
already a, a fictional character like, launching herself out of the sky, you know, like uh, like Condor Man or something, you know, like soaring into the stadium. Um, gosh, did I make a Condor Man reference? I saw Condor Man on a plane when I was like six. And all I really remember is the name of the movie and like one or two visual tableaus of it. I should go back and watch it again. I didn't get the sense that it was good. Have you guys ever seen Condor Man? Um, we should I've probably talk about the Super Bowl halftime show. Sure, yeah. Okay. Although, well, although it's funny because Condor Man is a sort of a, a sort of contemporaneous movie with Michael Keaton uh, and Batman, uh, although a little bit earlier. Um, sort of the original Birdman. But uh, mm. anyway. anyway Interesting. Um, um, yeah, let me give a real off uh, just uh, some context and then some uh, uh, reactions to it. So as I said before, I'm out of touch. I'm like I'm not very that familiar with Rihanna's music, or I thought I wasn't. And then I started to listen to the music in the halftime show. I was like, oh, I remember that. That was a huge hit a few years ago. That was a huge hit a few years ago. And that also which was a huge hit a few years ago. Rihanna is a superstar, like top like 1% of 1% of musicians in the world, right? Um, the music is very entertaining. She has a very unique timbre of her voice, um, which uh, I think is a big part of her of her uh, uh, of her staying power and her selling power. Um, the show itself um, felt inert. I think was the word that I used. It was not particularly physically dynamic, at least in terms of Rihanna, who was like very conspicuously dressed in red, and all of her backup dancers in white. Felt like they were doing a lot, a lot of heavy lifting. Um, which uh, I would say bordered on distracting because there's so much moving over there. And Rihanna was uh, not doing a lot of moving herself. Um, she had uh, she gave good face to the camera. She had good and interesting hand movements and, you know, participate in the dancing as well, too. Um, but there was just not like quite the sense of dynamic movement that I seem to recall, even like with the halftime show last year, which like to be clear. Right. You know, like I did not we did not. Tune into that to see Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre um, pull amazing dance moves, right? Because they are um, middle-aged to uh, borderline senior citizens. <laughs> They're quite elderly men at this point. They were not known for their dance moves. Um, I just there something about this show um, felt like it lacked kinetic energy, except for again we talked about the end where Rihanna um, ascends on a platform to the sky. So that was my overriding impression. But she was she was um, she had started on the on the platform already. Like I think that like I actually got some texts from 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 friends who, if you're listening, hey, like were like, oh, that was a great show. And I I think I didn't write back to say no, you're wrong. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the thing the thing you enjoyed was was in fact not good. But you know the thing that they enjoyed was in fact not good. I think that if you <laughs> if you um like the show, actually your previous. Uh, liking Rihanna did a, was doing a lot of the heavy lifting of that. And like the songs are bangers. So like you, you like the songs. Um, the, you like the songs because the songs are bangers and you like Rihanna because all right thinking people, uh, on earth like Rihanna. And that's, uh, you know, that's good. But if you look at what the, uh, if you look at what the show was, right? Like they gave away. There, there were a couple of things wrong with it. One, I think it was a mistake to start on her and not have an entrance. Um, mm-hmm. not have yep. her come Agreed. on, you know, 
come out, like be revealed somehow and kind of build anticipation. Um, I, I think there was kind of like a dynamic sameness to the whole thing. The The songs were different, but the, the way they were remixed all together kind of created this, this like evenly extruded, you know, kind of uh waveform of, of yeah. music. It, it didn't help that like two or three songs were in the same key as well. Or right. Like, a, like a, yeah. Well, and that's to do the remix, right? Like that's to like, that's to kind of make them all, uh, make them all, um, kind of go together. The, the, even when there were live, I was out when well, there was a, uh, blocking move where like she walked a long distance horizontally. And I was like, okay, good. We're going to a different set. We're going to have a different vibe. We're going to have a costume change, maybe, you know, and like, uh, no, none, none of it. We, in fact, the, the energy dropped because she sat down <laughs> at that point and performed a lot of the, the rest of the song, uh, the, the, uh, that section, the rest of that se- section in those songs, uh, sitting. And then like, um, went back to, to the sort of center platform and there were live musicians, but the addition of the live musicians didn't change the sound, uh, very much. It was not, you know, um, her, there her- were some, there were some extra drum fills, Matt. And I think that was kind of about it yeah but they sounded like i don't know i think i think the tracks were doing a lot of work i think you said mark the pre-recorded vocals were doing a lot of heavy lifting as we were texting about this before and i think like i i think the the pre-recorded music tracks were doing a lot of heavy lifting even once the you know even once the uh the musicians came on the stage and then she like she uh got lifted up into the air which like okay Great, but like it started like that, right? Like it wasn't new or surprising because it started like that. I mean, the, the biggest change, like, was that there was, uh, pre, there, there was the halftime show before she put on the coat and the halftime show after she put on the coat. And so the coat really was that like donning a coat, donning an overcoat was really the main heightening move <laughs> of the whole, uh, you know, of the whole thing. And it, you know, it didn't help that, that her, she didn't seem like she was committing to the choreo. She didn't seem like she was, uh, no, no, she had a child recently. Like, and it's not, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to, to, um, criticize Rihanna, but the, the, you know, the whole, the whole thing, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Had a, had a, uh, just a feeling of not not creating a dynamic not creating a dynamic thing really to reset my expectations every year before the Super Bowl just so that I get the set point right uh, and understand what's possible I rewatch Prince every year and to to me that's the for me Prince is the high water mark in modern modern Super Bowl halftime shows and that uh you know and and it's important like even if it's an artist you like or it feels good or it's a good atmosphere or it's a good vibe or something like that you gotta, you gotta go back and watch Prince and tell you know uh tell me how how hard any performer you know is working any any particular year you want to name so the unsurpassed and unsurpassable yeah I for me like uh you know sure yeah that's probably consensus there right but like but so uh, not to make this a le- uh, uh, discussion about the Prince halftime show, but like, can you reel off some of the qualities of that that gave it a sense of uh, dynamic direction and lack and and um, some variety where the whereas the Rihanna show had 
was yeah, kind I mean, of there was a sense of there was a sense of showmanship, right? There was a there was a, a real sense of give a crap, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> Prince really had had a sense of give a crap. He was very cool. He managed to be cool and yet still like uh, still be a showman, right? Like still kind of make gestures that were that were aimed at, at entertaining. I mean, I understand that there's kind of a pose in, in Rihanna's, uh, persona where, um, you know, I don't know, we were, we were watching it tonight. And my wife was like, Oh, excellent stank face. <laughs> you know, and there was, but you know, and I get that. And that's, that's a persona and it, it has a place and, and, you know, it can be great, but like it also, um, I don't know the 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 sense of like the the expenditure of energy right in the in the middle of an athletic contest you know I I think there's something there's something to the the kind of the athleticism of of live performance of sort of you know running around the stage I I think there's something to like costume changes you know I think there's something to uh um Right, like creating creating different visual moments, which didn't happen enough with the the direction of this. Right, last year with the sort of Airsats South LA that they built at great expense uh, in the middle of the multi billion dollar stadium that they demolished a lot of uh, a lot of those old neighborhoods in order to to erect. Like um, there was, you know, they, they like went from room to room and then onto the roof and then like you know what I mean. Like there was a sense of there was a sense of variety. There was a a sense of like kind of uh there's a sense of showmanship and then like you know i don't know uh, kendrick lamar was like in the backyard or something of that which for me was the most interesting interesting part of of last year's show right like unless we forget the weekend took us into um a nightmare um fisheye lens mirrored hellscape yeah gold like gold lame glittering fun house hall of mirrors uh kind of nightmare terrain you know, and I, and, and for me, and I, you know, I hate that. I, I like, I really want to like this. Like, I really want to be able to say great things about it. And, uh, you know, I'll say, I like Rihanna. I like all these songs, you know, they, they're, they're great. But just as a, as a, you know, considered as a piece of entertainment in itself, not my, uh, it, I, I don't think it, it really matched the, I don't think it matched the moment. Some, in, some interesting choreo from the, uh, from the backup dancers in their white, um, Actually, I I wondered if all of the clothes, all of the costumes were from her clothing line. And this was, again, another synergy and like an, uh, you know, an advertisement for the uh, for the outerwear and then for the for the like the bras or the, you know, undershirts or something. There's a lot of a lot of midriff bearing like the main, you know, I don't know, the main move the main dramatic move kind of sexy move in this was midriff bearing um also bending over and and uh yeah i, I sort of w- wondered if it was a uh, a product placement as it were since you mentioned the clothes and we also talked about uh, the end of the world earlier i would just like to throw my observation in there that like the baggy white outfits uh with the hoods Made me think of hazmat suits, <laughs> like the like the, the 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 protective gear that you that you saw a lot of like the early days of COVID. You're and driving you through and, like, a, in, driving through in, zombie apocalypse. Put on your hazmat suit. It's the least you can do. <laughs> no, no one else saw that. That was just me. I mean, that was just no, me. I mean, I, mean, I thought for me, they looked like the sperm in Woody Allen's "Everything You Wanted to Know About Sex But Were Afraid to Ask." And I thought the idea is like all of the dancers are sort of the sperm and Rihanna is like the egg. And it was kind of a mother performance 
of her kind of giving birth to herself um, by sort of like descending into the mess and then like coming out of it. Um, but like to go to expand a little bit on what Matt said, the stuff part of the stuff that made the print show really good was the way it used the space. Right. You know, you had and it used the space in this big space in a way that communicated uh, information and meaning and symbolic meaning related to what was happening to make it all kind of work together and strengthen itself, right? You have these like swooping geometric curves on the sort of catwalks of the sort of big prince symbol, which in turn conjures these ideas associated with Prince's identity and sexuality and kind of his notion of cool and his notion of rock. He's wearing a full body suit that matches the railings of the walkways. So the walkway kind of emerges and kind of shoots up for him, but he's the only one wearing them. But then also there are people in the crowd who are dressed all in black and are wearing neon or like or glowing LEDs that match Prince's suit. Right. And so like there's this horizontal flat space that's sort of shooting up for this vertical space. And then you have the big sheet that comes up, which makes Prince even bigger. So this idea that Prince is kind of like surging upward from this sort of swirly, messy humanity was like very much part of how it was staged. Um, And I think one of the big shortcomings of this halftime show was the shape of the stage was really pedestrian. Um, it was a line. It was a line. It was a line. It was a line of platforms. It was essentially there, a yeah, runway. It was a, it was a Smash Brothers. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's it. Yeah. That's, that's, Which, that's of course, weird. is meant to be viewed from the side and is not really meant to be viewed in three dimensions, even though the camera angles give you the opportunity to do it. But like, here's an example of a bad one, because I don't want to say that this was a particularly bad halftime show, because a lot of them, since Justin Timberlake, and Janet Jackson have been deliberately mediocre, right? Like this was, this was, this felt like Rihanna was not going to take any risks or, you know, I wouldn't say she was not allowed because she's probably more powerful than everybody there. Um, I would hope so anyway, but it was like, she has a particular sort of couture she wants to promote. Maybe she's selling those jumpsuits, whatever. That's the style she wants to put out there. Great. Awesome. But like, she's not going to do anything risque. Uh, and she and other and other than like bend over in sweatpants, which everybody does these days. It's it's how we clean our houses. It's just <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, but like think Adam Levine, right? Adam Levine walking down the ramp shirtless with his California tattoo sticking out and his sort of like, you know, sort of epoxied slick, you know, like it has like some sort of like sweat substitute sprayed all over it, chest going on. Um uh, that is an example of a terrible Super Bowl halftime show moment, right? Because because the thing it's trying to get across is that Adam Levine is this sort of big thing, right? Like the camera is really close, and it's like, yeah, the audience, this the stadium is really big, but you know who's really big is Adam Levine from Maroon Five because he's a superstar, right? And it just it felt so funny and silly uh, because it was so unwarranted, right? The the music did not match the enormity of what was happening. Um, and to an extent, I think the Dr. Dre and Eminem show and Snoop Dogg show suffered a little bit from not taking up the space as much as it could have because it was designed like a video game level. It was designed in two dimensions and uh, and, and wasn't fully using the three dimensional space in a way that allowed the camera to do exciting things. That's another thing that the Prince show does. The camera gets to do all sorts of cool stuff in the Prince halftime well, show. You know it what doesn't the camera, get to do for real. The camera did in this halftime show? What? Flipped upside down. Whoa! It's crazy now. It's like yeah, Killmonger yeah. taking over Wakanda, people. The world's crazy. Mm-hmm. The camera's upside down. That, that was a camera trick from Black Panther. I remember yeah, that. I'll for, sure, that. for sure. The other thing the camera did was cut away to the stadium. 
Which yes. um, Matt, you criticized that as like taking away, um, uh, robbing the show of momentum. Oh yeah, I mean it's it seems like there were these yeah cutting outside to do to do fireworks. It's it seems like well show, you know make make the make the show the fireworks you know <laughs> make the fireworks inside the stadium or like yeah. do something like, like Katy Perry yeah. did it yeah <laughs> integrate the fireworks into the show both in terms of content and in terms of physical uh, presence. But anyway, sorry, sorry. I'm right, and there are these well, and there are sort of. If you do any work of entertainment, like uh, there are the moments of transitions, and really the 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 real pros are the ones who master transitions. Like the really good band shows that you go to are it's the it's in between the songs, right? Like does does the air just kind of drop out of the whole the whole um, energy of the thing like uh uh between the songs or does it like build does it do they start the next song quickly right like it's it's yeah. a really great way for a for a live band to to level up it's the same if you if you go to theater it's really honestly like a lot of it is in the in the scene changes you know and that's um I I don't know. It's yeah. this like so cutting away to the outside and showing like, hey, what can we show that's exciting? Fireworks, you know. That's a <laughs> uh, I I don't know, sort of a weak weak move uh, in oh, yeah. in my opinion. I did have the good fortune of number not too many years ago, but a few years ago. I guess at this point, a bunch of years ago, to see U two live, uh, which I didn't pay for. I was very lucky. I sort of picked up tickets that that somebody wasn't using, and. Uh, and I was counting the number of times that the edge switched guitars and I stopped at 16. Right. <laughs> like, and then it's not like he makes a big deal of it. He's just like hands one guitar back. And then this, these hands emerge from the side or there's something on a stand. And it's just like, he just seamlessly goes from guitar to guitar to guitar. He activates his pedal. He keeps it going. Right. So like he calls himself the edge, but every, the whole time you're very firmly grounded well within the safety rails. Right. Like the whole thing is just cruising. So yeah, when you said that, Matt, that's what I thought of as the YouTube show, the YouTube show I saw, which was just so smooth in its transition from song to song to song, all the visual elements coming in, all the people moving around. You could tell these were people who were like very good at putting on this kind of show. Yeah. Um, and not, not even just the artists, like the actual people doing the show, like the crew, right? Like uh, how no, much yeah, time no, you, that yeah. was directed. Like that was put together yeah. by a, you know, a theatrical director or a, you know, or a director who specializes in, in this. It, I mean, if you go to a lot of stadium shows, I feel like sometimes they use video to cover a lot of that stuff. Those, uh, those transitions, but what you're, you know, what you're describing sounds awesome. You know, it was pretty fun. I mean, there was a lot Did of, they, video, wait, wait, let, let me ask you a question, Pete at the, uh, at the uh, transition moments in that U2 concert, did they send a representative around to every person in the auditorium and take them by the hand and lead them outside the venue and then shoot off some fireworks and then lead you <laughs> and then lead them back inside the venue yeah, to yeah. to your seat and then begin the the next song right cuz that's what happened at the halftime show and I the equivalent would have been if they'd like shined the lights on the Celtics jerseys hanging from the rafters just to get a cheap cheer for that and then you look back and like Bono's in new pants or something <laughs> yeah. but no no they did not do that i was thinking like are you describing Ellen DeGeneres at the Oscars now or is that Jimmy Kimmel i don't remember <laughs> but yeah well, they, there's yeah, something else yeah. occurs to me um, uh, uh, that contributed to the whole sense of sameness um, uh, in, in lack of variety in the show was that there was probably multiple opportunities for guest artists to come in and they absolutely didn't show up. Um, conspicuous absence, what, Jay-Z for the uh, Run This Town 
song. Now, yes, yeah. I know that Kanye West is also on that, and he's kind of persona non grata uh, in polite society these days, so that might have been awkward there. Um, but uh, was anyone else expecting a, a, a guest artist? I'm a little bit disappointed that no one else showed up. It's been the, Again, it's been the norm. This is Rihanna's show, right? Like, not to take anything away from her. Like, she doesn't owe anyone else a guest appearance. Um, but uh, again, like, there's there's a there's a, a yeah there, there there's a there, there's an opening there where it could yeah. make sense. Let's um let I, well, I don't know I feel like we should leave the show. I'm not, I'm not sure that we're we're probably gonna like just continue to kind of talk in the same. Oh yeah yeah I mean the, the main thing I would just say there is just it's notable because Rihanna is a collaborative artist who has worked on songs big songs with pretty much all the big people. So it's notable that they didn't show up. It's also not as notable as when like Nelly comes in while Aerosmith is playing. Right. It's like, that's that happened. It was fun, but like, come on, let's get over Wait, it. What? Oh, you're, <laughs> way back in the day. This is when we were first introduced to Nelly. There was this, cra- this was back when MTV ran the halftime show. There was a crazy halftime show. that was like Aerosmith and Britney Spears and Nelly. And like, they were, it was all over the place. I, I yeah. Yeah. I remember that. I remember run DMC yeah. coming out, but what did, did they do? Some, uh, medley of like hot in here with, um, I don't know what love in the elevator or something like that. I, I mean, I think it was a little bit less organized than you're letting on. I think I, did, I mean, I haven't watched it in a long time, but I think it was like it felt just like people were randomly running on stage and they would switch songs to that person's song and then they would switch back. Oh, yeah. All of NSYNC was in it. There's like 20 artists in this show. <laughs> like everybody in the crowd is carrying signs and it's like, well, which act are they carrying signs for? Like uh, the camera is all up in people's grills. There's confetti. It's like it definitely. Yeah, it's like it's like. It's got a little bit of Rocky Horror Picture Show vibes in the sort of relationship with the audience. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe just in retrospect. In that, in that oh, Mary throwing... J. Blige was awesome. Mary J. Blige, yeah. <laughs> Who would come back? Her show was great. Mary, There's an example. Mary J. Blige's performance in the halftime show was better than Rihanna's performance. And, Rih- and Mary J. Blige, I think, made a bigger impression with her, like, one big song than – I mean, the Shine Bright Like a Diamond moment was pretty awesome. But, like, the Mary J. Blige moment where she's sort of, like, collapsing in kind of, uh, you know – you know, path pathos on like the roof of uh, of the local of the local pseudo house. Uh, that that was a more impactful moment. But anyway, we should talk about other things about the Super Bowl. Yeah, um, well, the, the uh, yeah, I, w- I wanted to sort of offer a throw in a sort of different. Um, go for it. I kind of read on some of the commercials. I I think that like there was there was something, and maybe there's a relationship between between what I'm I was thinking and what what you're saying. I think there was a a sense in which kind of the the meta discourse has fully become discourse uh, in the uh, you know in the kind of the staging of these these commercials. And like it's it's just it's um it's the Ben Stiller and the Steve Martin sequence of, of Pepsi ads, right? Where the, you know, we're actors. Do you know if it's real Pepsi? It's good. Or am I just acting? You know, that, and, and you have like, uh, Ben Stiller and you have Steve Martin or who, who are known for a certain amount of kind of sarcastic insincerity or a, a kind of mm-hmm. like lampooning of sincerity, a, a, like a parodic sincerity sometimes that like, um, and that like, I, I think, you know, in, in a lot of these things, like the, the focus on, you know, Hey Diddy, we need to write a jingle, you know, and, and the focus on the kind of the, the nuts and bolts of creating entertainment, you know, 
foregrounds the idea that like, okay, everyone knows, like everyone's in on the idea of how this works now. Like everyone understands how you create entertainment. Everyone understands how you, you know, um, uh, put the pieces together. Everyone understands that these are compensated professionals who are doing this and that like, so, okay, when, when, when that becomes the, you know, when that becomes the text, right, what do you have? Um, and, and how do you, you know, how do you address an audience that's kind of like working on, working on that level? And so that's, I don't know, that's kind of, uh, my, um, my thing. Even like, even the, the flash trailer, the DC trailer, where the, like, the reveal of Michael Keaton as Batman, uh, playing Batman in that movie, like, the, the question is, like, what, it's not, what is this movie about? It's not, like, is this movie exciting? Are the special effects good? Does it have a good story? Like, all that sort of stuff. It's, who was cast? Like, like, what is the future of the franchise? What actor was cast as Batman? Which is a non, which is an, an extra textual concern. Uh, do, <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? And that, like, um, you know, I don't know, that whole, uh, that whole thing with, uh, like, Derek, it was summed up in Ben Stiller's Derek Zoolander saying, what is real? And then cutting to Derek Zoolander looking at the camera with the pursed lips and saying, Real is real. And that, uh, you know, that real, real is real, but real isn't real. Like you've known, you've known that real isn't real, uh, for a long, long time. Like you, you see de-aged Harrison Ford in the, in the, uh, Indiana Jones trailer. Well, you see, like, was, was Alicia Silverstone de-aged in the, the Clueless commercial? Like, or, or not? Like, is real real? Um, you know, and that's, uh, that to, to me, like, um, uh, real is real. It, it is, it is, um, oh God, I, like I'm struggling to articulate something. It's this. It's that, like, it is delightful that in natural language, a tautology can express a falsehood. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. Re- real is not real. Real, yeah. <laughs> real is real is false. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that like, uh, and that, that's the world. That's the, the, that's the world that, uh, Super Bowl commercials are, are, uh, living in every now and again. And then, you know, suddenly there's an elderly fella dancing to safety dance in, in front of a fountain or something. And it's, uh, it's, uh, it's kind of like American beauty. Like, do you want to see the most beautiful thing I've ever seen? You know, it's like, well, even then, I mean, even then, that reinforces what you're saying even more than you think, because it's a safety dance, right? <laughs> like the safety dance. It's like, hey, we can we can experience a feeling of safety, <laughs> like which is something that my therapist tells me I'm capable of on a weekly basis. I have yet to confirm it. Right. <laughs> the idea of, like, you could feel safe. You don't always have to feel like you're in danger. Right. Or that something is good. Something terrible is going to happen. that's going to be bad. And the fact that the safety the dance about safety is called the safety dance, right? Like is, uh, is itself a, uh, a relationship. We need a better way to describe it because then what is, cause it, it starts out as really a cool trick, right? It's for the most part, a cool trick for a long time. And also there, it, it imports a sense of profundity into the occasion. The no, the meta-ness of something, right? Like, well, of course it's beautiful. Like the form and the function are, are reinforcing each other. And like the, the poetry of the apparent text and the poetry of its structure are like on different levels and they lead towards each other and circle with each other. But also like, okay, so so you're telling me what you're doing is fake. 
like I feel like I need a pamphlet for like what what does that mean? You know, what's going to happen or what should I be experiencing or what will I be experiencing because what you're telling me is fake? Um, you know, like uh, I mean, I guess I, I, the thing that jumps to mind is like punk rock is fake. Right. Because, well, there, that's the thing. Punk rock is both fake and real because on one hand, it's we're getting a bunch of people with instruments and we're putting them on stage and we're setting up the expectation that you're going to see a specific sort of musical performance. And then we're going to defy a lot of your expectations by showing you that these are noise making machines and that we as humans are noise making machines and that all of the sort of intensity of emotion that goes into the creation of kind of elegant posy can also be used just to yell. And that this is in turn going to kind of undermine the artifice uh, so it is both realer and faker than non-punk. Um, and I'm not saying that Steve Martin in his Super Bowl ad is punk rock. But I'm not, <laughs> not saying. <laughs> Just saying dead men still don't wear plaid, man. That's uh, <laughs> there's real insight there. Well, I don't we, know. We talked this, about punk a lot when we had a music podcast. Like, uh, you know, Ryan and I talked about punk a lot. And the, what we found with the, like, the classic punk bands was that there was always a manager, you know, who made sure that, like, people got paid for, like, all this, this stuff that got broken. <laughs> you know, that, like, <laughs> like, that, that, that there, you, you, punk had to be constrained, you know, that, that it had to, like, be in the context of, uh, into, in the context of a world where you could kind of create a small space in which the, the punk could happen. Um, and that like, that that was, that that was always, you know, that, that, that seemed to be the case for a lot of the, uh, a lot of the, the major, the major acts. And that they're like, they, they found, they're saying they found punk in a hopeless place. They found, right. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. And that, that, that hopeless place was like Thatcherite London or was, you know, I don't know. <laughs> Um, was the, the New York of the 1970s, you know, that, uh, and, and so it's, it's always gotta be, it's always gotta be like punk in, in relation to, it's always gotta be kind of punk in relation to something. And like, I, I don't know. I feel like there's, we've, we've arrived at, we've arrived at a time when like talking about Baudrillard, uh, sort of, uh, makes sense again, right? Because the, the simulation is the final stage of the, of the simulacrum. And when, when the show. What is it though? He, we don't know. He was only introducing it, right? How does he know it's the final stage? There might be, there might be another stage. There might be like cyber mecha Frieza, right? Like super perfect cell might come back again. You know, like there could be another. There could be another form. We don't know. We need. Yeah, um, it's true. We need. We need, we're gonna like live in the legless universe of the. Uh, we're gonna live in the yeah. legless universe of um, of the the metaverse or or something <laughs> like that, where where yeah, like, you know Chat GPT whispers uh, you know comforting things <laughs> in our ear. You're safe. We can dance if we want to. <laughs> we can leave your uh, friends behind. ChatGPT, make that more whimsical. <laughs> we can dance if we want to. Do that in the <laughs> style of Bob Hope. <laughs> well, uh, we can dance if we want to. God bless our men and women in uniform. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, I want to make more specific Bob Hope jokes, but I'm going to take what I can get because that was pretty good. Uh, no need to go down that road. <laughs> We no made need- some chick. We ate some chicken cacciatore uh, this this week, and I, I did a little song. I think that's from the Road to Rio. That song, right? Like everybody here, like chicken cacciatore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then the, my wife was like, "Where's that song from?" But the idea that, like, the idea oh. that that the the commercials, the like, the content of the commercials are is going to be 
the making of commercials, right? Like that, yeah. that the kind of the simulated world is going to be a simulacrum of the world that creates the simulacrum. You know, the simulation is the final stage of the simulacrum. Like my, my boy, my boy, Jean was, uh, uh, was on it, you know, all those many mm-hmm. years ago. Um, you know anyway. what it sort of makes me think of is like field of dreams. It's uh-huh. cause it's a movie that's about the meaning of baseball and really what it gets across is like if you really think about baseball and you look at everything that baseball has meant to people and you bring all those people together and, and you really have them bear their souls to each other, they're going to play baseball. <laughs> <laughs> like, like it's, it's just another layer of baseball, right? Like, and then after that baseball game, when this father and son finally get to have their sort of cathartic experience, right – after the second baseball game that's happening in the spiritual world as the mirror of the initial baseball game that's not happening in the material world, there's then the father-son game of catch, which is a third layer of baseball, right? Which, of course, is a game, which is in turn like a reflection or symbolic association of something having to do with reality and not reality in itself, right? Like, um, but, uh, but it's like each level of... Uh, baseball as james Earl jones would say like it's, it has brings with it the profundity of a deeper truth uh but you know it's um you know it's all still balls and strikes man uh it's and it's funny how little of the commercials have to do with the football right like like these days in particular the flag football commercial was epic that was really, really wanna, interesting yeah they uh they really want to sell that i mean i'm if they could sell that kudos to them Right, because because being able to sell a football product that doesn't involve somebody to get their skull cracked in is like a win, right? Like, uh, and I'm not one of those people who hates on football too much because of the injuries. Uh, I, I just want to, you know, I like to I like to say what I'm thinking at these podcasts because lying is too hard and we have to do too much of it too fast. Uh, so I try to tell the truth. Mm. Well, uh, that that's that's good. Well, well, next week our podcast about creating podcasts about just there we go. Uh, Ooh, yeah, should we do that about our we, problem? We figured it out. Every, I suppose we, we do this every year. That's, uh, that's for sure. Well, as we, uh, uh, as we, uh, wrap up this podcast, uh, I'm, I'm looking at the live broadcast on Fox. Gordon Ramsay is at the Super Bowl. Uh, Jay Z is at the Super Bowl, though you'd ex- expect that. Adele is at the Super Bowl. Floyd Mayweather is at, oh dear. Paul McCartney is at the Super Bowl. I'm sorry. They're, <laughs> they're just showing this thing. Uh, with, uh, five minutes, 15 seconds left in the, uh, in the fourth quarter, uh, the, the Chiefs and the Eagles are tied 35 to 35. So we'll, uh, we'll see tomorrow who, who, uh, who was the victor in this. Congratulations to that team and thanks everybody for for listening. Pete and Mark, thanks for uh, indulging in this uh this um yearly tradition. I'm glad that we've we found a way to do it and make it uh you know, make it uh possible for our uh, our you know, aging constitutions that uh, can't stay up as late as we used to. All right, we'll be back next week with more Overthinking It podcast. Till then, visit us on the web at overthinkingit.com where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny. It, it probably, probably doesn't, doesn't. Baseball. Football. Cricket. 
League of Legends. Oh, no, not League of Legends. (laughs) (laughs)